Hi everyone, I'm Kiana, and I'd like to welcome you to Toronto Nature Now, brought to you by Met Radio in Toronto and the Toronto Field Naturalists. The Toronto Field Naturalists are a volunteer-run, nonprofit nature conservation organization, connecting people with nature and wildlife in the Toronto area. Today, I'd like to welcome back David Cowell, who's here to talk about invasivorism, the eating of invasive species as a means of control. David is an Ontario master naturalist who volunteers on land stewardship and community science projects for land trusts, conservation associations, and nature clubs in Simcoe County, Ontario. Here's what David had to say. So, hi, David. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. That's great. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And we're going to talk about invasiveforism. And so my first question is, how do we define an invasive species? Uh, an invasive species um, is any species introduced by human intervention uh, that has caused economic and or ecological damage uh, by growing superabundant in a non-native habitat. So they can be as delicious as wild boar, as unappetizing as sea lamprey, uh, or entirely inedible, uh, like zebra mussels. Interesting. And do you have any examples that may be in Toronto? You can pretty much go to any uh, disturbed site and you will find things like garlic mustard and you'll find sow thistle. If you look on your lawn, you're going to find dandelion. Uh, all of those are uh, invasive plant species here in Ontario. You have to go a little further afield to find things that are uh, our mammals and uh, crayfish and that sort of thing. I didn't know dandelions were invasive. Yes, they are. <laughs> wow. Um, so why is it important to control invasive species? Good question. Uh, invasive species alter the fabric of the ecosystem. And after habitat destruction, uh, they're the second most important cause of biodiversity loss. Uh, they can outcompete and kill off native species. Uh, for example, uh, garlic mustard uh, produces uh, allio allopathic uh, chemicals that alter the soil composition and renders the soil um, inhospitable for native plants, including some of the endangered species like wood poppies and uh, nodding uh, trillium. And um, the other one is uh, American ginseng. Uh, in addition to that, um, they can alter uh, the natural habitat and food for wildlife. Uh, one that's very, very high on the list of uh, endangered species of concern uh, is phragmites. And um, what they do is uh, they alter the, uh, uh, they're not a very good source of uh, habitat or uh, food uh, for wildlife, including endangered species like uh, the king rail and uh, the blandings tur turtle. Um, in other cases, we have uh, species that are potentially toxic to human beings. Uh, the uh, uh, giant hogweed produces a watery clear sap. Uh, and if you get it on your skin and your skin is then exposed to sunlight, the ultraviolet radiation can cause severe burning and weeping blisters. And finally, um, Invasive species can reduce uh, agricultural productivity. 
in the United States, uh, feral pig um, basically cause they they root around and they uh, eat uh, farm crops uh, to the tune of 1.5 billion dollars uh, a year. Uh, so the goal uh, is control. Right, and so why do you think? invasive species do so well in non in their non-native environments just as as uh, we've discussed there uh they seem to have they're they're inter- most of them are introduced uh by human intervention uh and it may be inadvertent uh or uh it may be as a result of you know good intentions uh garlic mustard is a is actually considered a biennial herb and it was grown uh as that uh, a, a herb, um, and over time it escaped out of gardens and uh, actually moved into uh, woodland environments. Uh, it was a perfect habitat for them, and uh, you know they continued to spread. Um, the green crab, uh, for example, uh, as another example, has been around since oh uh, the late 1800s. Um, it started showing up uh, on the eastern seaboard of the United States as uh, water conditions, uh, the ocean started to warm, they were able to expand and now they're, you can find them everywhere from um, New York all the way up to Prince Edward Island. And uh, essentially they destroy the, uh, the seabed uh, of, of along our ocean uh, coasts. Right, thank you. And so, on to our specific topic today, what is invasivorism and who coined the term and where did the idea originate? Uh, well, uh, invasivorism is a deliberate consumption of invasive species as a means to combat their overpopulation. Uh, the term was coined by a conservation biologist, uh, Joe Roman. Um, he is a Gerd Institute fellow at the University of Vermont. And over the last 20 years, uh, the idea has, has caught hold. Uh, and some examples, uh, in 2005, uh, Chef Bun Lay uh, created an invasive species menu at, a sushi, at his sushi restaurant, uh, Mia's. Uh, in 2010, uh, the National Ocea- Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration launched uh, an eat lionfish campaign, and shortly thereafter, uh, the upscale grocer Whole Foods added lionfish to their product offering. Uh, Oregon's Institute for Applied Ecology hosts an annual invasive species cook-off. And here in Canada, uh, Chef Paolo uh, Colbertaldo, uh, who owns Lincoln Street Food in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, uh, uses green crabs uh, in his fish sauces uh, and in some of his soups. So, you know, it's taken a little while, but, you know, it's gaining some momentum. That's interesting. I don't know why I thought that humans wouldn't be eating them. I thought it was maybe other animal species that were eating them. <laughs> but I was really shocked to hear that humans were. <laughs> yeah, it's an acquired taste. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> And so you mentioned some species that appear on the menu, but what are other uh, invasive species that are most likely to appear on the menu and how would they be prepared? I mentioned garlic mustard, but garlic mustard, south thistle and dandelion leaves 
uh, can be used in salads and they sort of give them a, a peppery flavor. Um, the sour thistle leaves uh, can actually be sauteed in butter and then used in an ingredient uh, to make sour thistle lasagna. Uh, garlic mustard leaves and flowers uh, are used to make pestos and hummus. And uh, the dandelion, uh, the flower has been used uh, to make dandelion wine. And the dandelion root uh, appears in medicinal teas and coffees. Uh, so that takes care of the plant species. Uh, we mentioned the green crab. Uh, they're, uh, they're feisty little beggars. And uh, you really have to, uh, you have to catch them in their molting stage which is a soft, cell, uh, soft shell stage. And what you do with them is you clean them, uh, you put them into an egg mixture, and then you can saute them in butter until they're a nice golden brown. And you serve them with French bread, garnish them with uh, lemon slices, parsley, or watercress. Uh, the feral pigs uh, that I mentioned earlier, um, you can find them in 45 uh, US states and they've started to move into Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. Uh, haven't appeared with any regularity here in Ontario yet, but you know, it is a species that they are watching. Um, the wild boar uh, tenderloin uh, makes a nice uh, entree when mixed with, uh, served with an asparagus sauce. And you can make wild boar tacos uh, with a Chicana mango salsa. Uh, here in Ontario, we're concerned about four carp species, uh, big head, uh, silver, grass, and black carp are all considered invasive. Um, there is concern that uh, if they proliferate in the Great Lakes, uh, they will damage our native fish stocks. Um, the silver carp is considered a boating hazard because it has uh, the ability to leap as much as three meters. So you don't wanna get hit with one of those as it's jumping out of the water. And you can actually make um, sun gao carp uh, in which you marinate it in white wine, you dredge it in semolina, and then you deep fry it uh, and serve it as a, an entree. And then can also bake carp in sour cream uh, with wild mushrooms. So those are a few examples. Wow, that seems like a lot. <laughs> And so have you tried any of these dishes? Uh, some of them. I've tried some of the plant, uh, the plant recipes. Um, I haven't tried green crab, um, wild boar, or uh, any of the, uh, the carp uh, dishes at this point. Did you like them? The, uh, the pestos and, uh, and hummus made with garlic mustard are delectable. Okay, maybe I'll put that on my next <laughs> lunch menu. Yeah. You... <laughs> and so... Is invasivorism the answer to invasive species control? That's a really good question. And I guess the way to answer that one is preventing invasives from arriving in the first place is the only real solution. Um, so once they've, uh, once they've taken hold, uh, then uh, control uh, becomes the goal. With that in mind, you need to be aware of the regulations that govern uh, harvesting uh, and hunting of invasive species. Picking leaves of things like sow thistle, garlic mustard, and, and uh, dandelion doesn't really stop the plant from growing. Uh, there may be some better opportunities 
uh, as control measures. So for example, um, we talked about uh, the green crab. Uh, Parks Canada uh, has been working with McGill University to transform crab shells into a biodegradable plastic substitute. And they've also been working with Dalhousie University to create a concentrated fertilizer made out of green crab shells. Uh, so those are some of the better control measures. Um, you have to consider that hunting uh, some species like feral pigs in Hawaii uh, is part of their uh, cultural lexicon. And in addition to that, um, you have to look at the ecology because on the Hawaiian islands, uh, large portions of the islands are covered uh, by flammable invasive grasses. And those grasses are consumed by uh, feral pigs. If you remove the feral pigs, then you have more of these invasive grasses, which may lead to more fires, which may lead to even more significant habitat loss. Uh, so uh, another thing to concern uh, that is of concern with invasive species uh, is some of these, if you start eating them, they might become popular and it could lead to commercialization. And then it potentially that increases the spread of those invasive species. Uh, there is very little uh, scientific data uh, gathered and published uh, to support the use of invasivism as an effective uh, management uh, option. Uh, at the very best, uh, it could be used in awareness campaigns uh, to bring invasive species to the uh, public's, uh, onto the public's radar. And uh, as a control measure, as a best management practice, they're probably best used um, when uh, the invasive species is caught early, not after it's really become well-established and is really starting to spread. Right, that's interesting. And so hopefully it doesn't become too commercialized, <laughs> but where can you find recipes for invasive species? Okay, um, there's a couple of spots. Um, the one that I like uh, is called eattheinvaders.org. Uh, and that's Joe Roman's uh, site. Uh, and what's really interesting about it is that um, for each of the invasive species that appears on the site, he gives you a history uh, and goes into the ecology uh, of the species and then offers you uh, a couple of recipe options that you can try. Uh, at home. The other site um, is called invasivore.org and it also has, a, has a, uh, a few home recipes that you can consider. And of course you can always you can always do your own internet search. Right, that's great. Have you ever tried making any recipes? Uh, the garlic pesto, um, uh, garlic mustard pesto and hummus, yes, I've tried those. Nice. Maybe I'll try. Oh, yeah. They're easy. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I've enjoyed chatting, enjoyed investigating the topic, and enjoyed chatting with you again this afternoon. Thanks again to David Cowell for talking with me today. And I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Anyone out there who'd like to get involved with the Toronto Field Naturalists can visit their website at torontofieldnaturalists.org. Again, that's torontofieldnaturalists.org. 
Shout out to Paul Overy, the show coordinator. And once again, I'm Kiana for Met Radio, and this has been Toronto Nature Now. Make sure to tune in next time. 